Merry Christmas to you and to yours and to all those who are with you from me and the Bible in Life podcast. I have so many fond memories of Christmas from when I was a child and time spent with with family and with my grandparents as a child. I have so many uh, fond memories of Christmas from my kids growing up years and now my grandkids. And uh, they come over on Christmas morning and we spend the day together. And what a blessing it is to have family around and to have such wonderful memories. And I know that's not the case for everybody. And I'm sure there are some of you for whom Christmas is hard or difficult for 101 different reasons. I'm sure for some of you, maybe you're lonely this Christmas. And I I get all that. And all of that actually um, expresses something similar to what I want to talk about today. And that's this, that love involves presence, not presence as in presence with bows and wrapping paper that you open, but presence as in the presence of people, presence of people you love, that love involves being with people that you love. In fact, my mom, who turned 81 this year, uh, has said that she cherishes every moment that she's with her family. And as her world increasingly is shrunk down to just being with her family and trying to be more mindful of that and be m- more mindful of her need to be with people and be with her family in these later years of her life because love entails that. Love involves being with. It involves presence of those that you love. That's just the way it works. If you love someone, you want to be with them. And if they love you, they return the favor. They want to be with you. Whatever kind of love story it is, that's just the way it works, whether it's family or something else. And so love involves presence. And Advent, the story of Advent, is the story of presence. It's Jesus coming to be with. It's God with us us. It's about presence, being with. And it really is the culmination of the entire story of the Bible, because the Bible really is a true love story. So think about how the Bible story began. The Bible begins with the creation of the world and the universe, and then it culminates in the creation of human beings, and those human beings are placed in a garden, and they're placed in a garden, and God is with them. It's obvious. In fact, the, the way God uh, creates human beings entails loving presence. He forms a man out of the dust of the ground, and then he whoo, breathes into him the breath of life. Like that's intimate closeness, sharing his breath of life with this human being. And then when he creates the, the woman, he, he puts the man to sleep and he takes a part of the man and he fashions that into a woman uh, who is going to be with the man. And this whole thing is about love and God walks with them. He walks with them in the garden, in the coolness of the evening, the text says. Uh, And this apparently was a regular thing. And so it is about God being with human beings in the garden. And it's driven by love. In love, he creates them, forms them, fashions them, and dwells with them. But as the story unfolds, uh, human beings are disloyal to their creator. They break faith with their creator and decide not to trust him and trust his loving presence and his loving provision. And they go their own way. 
and they eat from the tree of which they should not have eaten. And the story unfolds from there with Adam and Eve being forced out of the garden and not having access to it anymore and God's presence being removed from them and uh, all sorts of obviously chaos and brokenness ensues from that. And as you read the biblical story, that's what you get. Um, You get God and humans now intended to be together and now yet being separate. And yet God doesn't leave it that way. He comes to a man named Abram and he presents himself to him and he makes a covenant with them. And that covenant entails the formation of a people. And though it takes several centuries for that promise to be completely realized and fulfilled, there eventually comes to be a full people who we now know as the people of Israel. And God comes to the people of Israel and meets with Moses on Mount Sinai and says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to create this whole little setup where I can dwell among you in a tent, a tabernacle. And we're going to have some sacrifices that will embody our covenant relationship and will clear the way when things get broken in that relationship. And the whole desire is for God to dwell, to tabernacle with people. And that's why in the story of the book of Exodus, the the instructions for the tabernacle and the making of the tabernacle are so central to the story because the story isn't just about uh, rules and rituals and sacrifices and what have you. It's ultimately about forming a people among whom God can dwell because love involves presence. It involves being with people. And God wants to to return to be with his people and to be with uh, those that he loves. And so the biblical story unfolds with God uh, being with his people and all the difficulties that that is. And then the people once again being exiled from the land and uh, God's presence leaving the temple and then the longing and the waiting and the watching. When will God return to his people and when will God return to his temple? And in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And the story of the Bible culminates with these words, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things came into being through him and apart from him, not one thing has come into being that did come into being. In him was life and the life was the light of mankind and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not grasp it. And here's the, the apostle John echoing those words from the very beginning of the story in Genesis about the creation of the world and helping us to see that when God spoke the world into existence, his word was more than just words. His word was a second self, if you will, the second member of the Trinity who was with him and was used to create all things through him. And then look at what John says in verse 14. And the word, this this, this person who was God himself, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt literally is tabernacled, tinted among us. What the tabernacle was um, in the Exodus, now Jesus is tabernacling among us as a human being. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only from the Father, the unique one from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 16, 
John goes on and says, For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus, the Messiah. And grace is an expression of love. This is God coming to dwell once again with his people and doing so not because his people had it all figured out and everything was right, but in his mercy and in his grace, he pitches his tent. He tabernacles among them. And that's why I say loving presence is the culmination of the entire biblical story. He came to be with us because of his grace and his love for us. And so Advent is marked by, motivated by, driven by. It centers on, it's all about love. Not just brotherly love, but here we're talking about God's love, the love for God, the creator, for his his creation and for human beings. God, in his love and his grace, pitches his tent among us. And thus, love is central to the Christmas story, to the Advent story. Now, as you continue to read the story of the Bible and the story of Jesus, what happens? Well, Jesus goes away. He ascends. And yet, at the end of the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Again, loving presence. I will be with you. And what he refers to there is the pouring out of his spirit and how God now, by his spirit, dwells with and among his people. So God is still with us. And yet... We know there must be more. In fact, the Spirit himself is spoken of in the words of the apostles as a down payment, a pledge for more to come. Uh, and so the Spirit is God with us now, and yet we still long for the full reunion, the full restoration and union of God with us that it was in the garden, and we still wait, and we still long for that. That's why the Apostle Paul says, now we walk by faith, but then we will walk by sight. And so what we have now is good, it's real, it's true, but it's a long-distance relationship. And long-distance relationships are hard. And so here we are, once again, in this posture of waiting, and longing, and hoping, and watching for for the fulfillment of our heart's deepest desire. And what will that be? Well, we read the passage last week in our episode on peace, but let me read it again because it connects so fully with this theme that we have to hear it. And so once again, Revelation 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw, here's what I want you to capture, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. This is a picture of God's heavenly realm, God's heavenly city that has been in heaven, separate from earth, because there's been this chasm between earth and heaven, between the kingdom of man and the kingdom of God. But now, here at this juncture, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, comes down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Notice the image. It's the image of a wedding day. And what, what is a wedding day? 
A wedding day is a celebration of loving presence, of union, of coming together in love and committing yourself to each other. And so here, the New Jerusalem is pictured as this bride coming down out of heaven, adorned for her husband. And so there's this union between heaven and earth, between God's people and God's city. And then notice what it says. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold! The tabernacle of God is among people. Once again, Jesus tabernacled among us. Jesus came and lived with us. But now, at the culmination of the ages, God will pitch his tent. He will tabernacle among his people. He will dwell with them fully and completely the way he always intended from the very beginning of time in the Garden of Eden until we ruptured that relationship and God has been working to put it back together. And at the culmination of the ages, at the climax of the story, God comes and tabernacles among his people and he will dwell among them and they will be his people and God himself will be among them. Do you hear the emphasis at the end of the story? The tabernacle of God is among the people. He will dwell among them. They shall be his people. God himself will be among them. And this is the emphasis. Loving presence. The reunion between human beings and their maker in this intimate love union that was always the way it was supposed to be. And so, my friends, as we celebrate Christmas and we culminate Advent, what we remember is that God longs to dwell with us. He doesn't want to be distant and far off. He doesn't want there to be a chasm between us. He has worked tirelessly since the very beginning, since we ruptured the relationship. He has worked to tabernacle among us. And he started with a tabernacle among Israel, and then he tabernacled among us in the person of Jesus. He's come to dwell with us by his spirit. And someday, at the culmination of the ages, God will be all in all, and God will be among us, and we will be with him, and he will be with us, and our heart's deepest longing will be satisfied because love himself will come to be with us. And every longing of our heart will be fulfilled in the experience of the love of God fully and completely in that day when he comes to tabernacle among us once and for all in the new heavens and the new earth. That's our hope. That's our desire. That's our happily ever after. And that's what really makes Advent joy and Advent peace and really Advent hope all possible is because this God so loved the world that he came to be with us and he'll come to be with us once and for all at the end of time. And that, my friend, is good news. So I pray you have a Merry Christmas. Regardless of all that's going on in your world, you have a Merry Christmas. You can experience Advent peace and Advent joy because God loves you. And God himself will come to dwell with you and with all who are his when Christ returns again. So Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. I look forward to talking with you again, not just next week, but next year. God bless.